Are you aware that in the Bible, only two people are ever described as walking with God? Now, the Bible repeatedly talks about walking before God, or walking after God, or walking in God's ways, walking in God's statutes, walking in His law, walking in His rule, walking in His commands. It talks about walking in the fear of the Lord. It talks about God walking amongst His people. It talks about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. But only twice does it talk about somebody walking with God. The first example is in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And certainly from this passage, we see the great reward that comes from walking with God. However, this is all we know about Enoch, so it's hard for us to take a look at Enoch and learn what it means to actually walk with God. However, the second example has a little bit more information, and we find that in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible there says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And we see quite a bit about Noah. Our entire focus throughout this month is about our walks with God, about us walking with God and having a relationship with God and learning more about Him. Therefore, if we really want to focus on walking with God, we need to take a look at Noah. What is it that Noah did? Why is it that Noah was described as walking with God? And I have no doubt that Noah and Enoch weren't the only two that ever walked with God. But I do find it interesting that they're the only two ever described that way. So let's take a look at Noah and why it is that he is described as walking with God. And then take a look at our own lives and see how we compare to them. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up and praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. Father, we want to walk with you. We want to walk with you hand in hand, to be in a relationship with you, to glorify and honor you, to learn from you. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us to be righteous and to stand out among the world. Help us, Father, to take your message to them so that they also can be righteous. Help us to be strong in your will, to follow what you have established for us as your children. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us to look beyond this world, to focus on the things that are above and not on the things that are here on the earth. Help us to magnify you. That's our most important goal in life. We want to bear fruit that glorifies and honors you. And we've, we've failed in that so many times, and we ask that you would forgive us, that your grace and mercy would be upon us, so that we might grow in your righteousness. Father, we are unworthy, and you are worthy. You are holy, and you are righteous, and you are just. And we thank you for condescending to allow us to be in a relationship with you, for sending your Son to die for us so that our sins could be cleansed. We lift you up and praise your name. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was, 
who is and who is to come. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. I think the very first thing that we need to recognize about Noah and his walk with God is actually found in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Your translation may say, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is important for us. It, it needs to comfort us because what this demonstrates to us is that Noah's walk with God was not predicated on being sinlessly perfect. If to walk with God we had to be sinlessly perfect, we've already blown that. There's no way that we could possibly walk with God. We know what Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's Noah, and it says that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Understand what that means. If Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that means Noah found unmerited favor. Noah did not earn the salvation and the reward that he had. Noah had to have God's grace to be saved. The reward that Noah received, being able to be on the ark, being able to miss out on the flood and not be destroyed and judged in that flood, did not come because Noah earned it. It did not come because Noah had lived perfectly throughout his entire life. Noah had sinned. And Noah would sin again, in fact, in Genesis chapter 9. About verses 21 and 22, we see where Noah gets drunk and exposes himself and, and all the dishonor that goes along with that. Noah sinned. And yet Noah still walked with God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I think it's important for us to see that first as we take a look at everything else about Noah. So that we don't throw our hands up and feel as though we can't accomplish this. I've blown it. There's no way I can walk with God. Maybe at one point I could have, but I've sinned since then and it's over. I want you to notice this about Noah. Noah was able to walk with God because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And if we want to walk with God, we must find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And what we see here from Noah is a perfect case study that salvation is unmerited. The reward from God's judgment is unearned. There is no amount of good works, there are no amount of good works that you and I can do to earn salvation from the judgment that is coming. And yet it is conditional. Noah found grace, but the rest of humanity did not. And it was because of the kind of man that Noah was. If we want salvation, we can't earn it. But we do have to meet the conditions of walking with God. The next thing the Scripture tells us about Noah, there in chapter 6 and verse 9, is that Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a righteous man. Contrast that in verse 5 with the rest of the world. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Noah, as opposed to being wicked like the rest of humanity, was a righteous man. In fact, so strong was his righteousness. We can look at Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14 and verse 20. And Noah is used as one of the three men as examples of righteousness. In Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14, 
even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. And in verse 20 of Ezekiel 14, again it says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. Noah was indeed a righteous man. Look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible there says, Hebrews 11 and verse 7, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Godly fear, reverent fear. Noah feared God. God said the judgment is coming, and Noah feared that judgment, and because of that, Noah lived in righteousness. Noah pursued righteousness. The world around him pursued wickedness, but Noah was different. He did what was right, because it is right. And if we wish to walk with God, we too must pursue righteousness. We must hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul told Timothy, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness. And again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, this time verse 22, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, Paul told Timothy, Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. We must strive for the right. We must chase it down every day. And notice what Paul also said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this time verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to pursue righteousness? Do you want to walk with God as Noah walked with God? There's only one way. You've got to be in the book. That's where righteousness comes from. By the training that we receive from the Word of God. Our guide is not the world. Our guide is not our friends. Our guide is not even the religious. Our guide must be God's Word and God's Word alone. Because that is where training for righteousness can be found. I can become good in the eyes of the world and yet not be righteous. I must pursue the teaching of God's Word if I want to walk with God as Noah walked with God. We look again in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. That's not the only thing he said. It says that Noah was a righteous man, but he was blameless in his generation. I've often had trouble with passages that talk about being blameless, especially like this one, because we've already pointed out that Noah at least had some blame. We know that Noah committed some sin, and that somebody somewhere, if they search hard enough, could find something, and they could point a finger at Noah and say, look, we can blame him for this. And yet, the Bible says he was blameless in his generation. And I think those last three words are the key here. He was blameless in his generation. 
in comparison to his time, in comparison to the people that were around him, Noah was a blameless man. Remember what we read in verse 5? The people around Noah were wicked. The thoughts of their heart were only evil continually. But Noah stood out. Noah was different from his generation. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read this verse often. It says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. That's what Noah was. When it says that he was blameless in his generation, instead of being formed with the world, instead of looking like the world, instead of acting like the worldly, instead of being like his generation, he was blameless. He stood out. Now please don't think that we've accomplished this by being only slightly better than the world. We'll always be able to find somebody that we can look to and say, well, at least I'm not like them. At least I haven't done what they did. We haven't been like Noah, blameless in our generation, if we can only point to slight differences. We often talk about keeping the world at arm's length, but as we've said before, when we're keeping the world at arm's length, what happens as the world moves? We move with it. It's not enough to keep the world at arm's length. We've got to stand out as blameless in our generation. If we were able to travel through time and space and go back to this time before the flood and watch the way people lived for a day, we'd be able to pick out Noah. Because he was different. The people around him only thought evil continually. Noah thought based on the fear of the Lord. Because Noah thought differently. Noah viewed things differently. And Noah acted differently. If we want to walk with God, we must be different. We must stand out. Thinking differently. Looking at situations differently. Acting differently. Being different. And we must be ready to take all that's going to come with that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Peter said, With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We've got to be prepared for the maligning that the world is going to offer. John chapter 15, this time in verse 18. John chapter 15 and verse 18 and 19, Jesus Himself said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated Me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When we stand out as different, the world is going to hate us. We've got to be prepared for that if we want to walk with God. I mean, what do you think people thought about Noah as there he's building an ark and telling them that a flood's going to come and wipe them all out because they're a bunch of sinners? You think folks liked Noah? You think Noah was the one that they invited to the parties? Or do you think maybe Noah was the one that they laughed at behind his back and even to his face? 
If we want to walk with God, we've got to be willing to stand out as different and put up with all that that's going to entail. But that's not all we learn about Noah. Look in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Here Peter, talking about God, says, If God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness. Noah was a herald of righteousness. That is, he proclaimed righteousness. He was not only righteous and blameless in his generation, but he was out teaching righteousness. He was trying to persuade others to be righteous. Noah didn't want to be on the ark alone. Noah wanted others to be saved along with him. And so he taught the will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 talks about us, or at least Paul talks about himself, and hopefully this will apply to us. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Noah had a fear of the Lord. Noah had been warned of the judgment that was going to come and was able to see the unseen until he was building the ark and he was trying to tell others about it. He proclaimed righteousness. If we want to walk with God, we can't keep our righteousness in our holy huddle. We must proclaim righteousness. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We've got to tell people about His Word. We've got to tell people about His church. We've got to tell people about His grace. We've got to tell people about His judgment. We have to tell folks about His righteousness. But there's something else that's interesting to note when we consider Noah's proclamation. It's probable that Noah preached for the entire 120 years that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. We don't know exactly when within that, call, within that time frame Noah was called to build the ark, but, but it's likely that it was about that whole time. He preached for 120 years. And who listened? His wife, his sons, and his son's wives. A hundred and twenty years. And he converted seven people. But what did Noah do? He was a herald. He kept heralding. He kept proclaiming. He kept preaching. He didn't say, well, this is not doing any good. guess I'm just going to go build the ark and save myself. He was a herald of righteousness from beginning to end. Sometimes we get discouraged when folks don't respond. I know I do. But we need to remember that if we want to walk with God, our job is not to get to conversions. Our job is to be the herald of righteousness. And the other side of that is understanding that when folks did not respond to the message that Noah preached, he didn't change it. He didn't water it down. He didn't soften it up. He continued to teach the narrow way of God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about the way which we must follow. And He said, enter by the narrow gate. 
For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. We need to understand our job. Our job is not to try to broaden the way to make it more appealing to others so that more folks will walk on the same way with us. Our job is to proclaim the narrow way so that the few who will walk with us will be going to heaven with us. If we change the message and people respond, there aren't more people going to heaven. There are fewer people going to heaven. Because if we change the message, we'll no longer be going to heaven. And we must not, as so many today desire, soften God's message. We must not change God's message on salvation, on worship, on biblical authority, on the permanence of marriage and the sin of divorce, on modesty, on morality, on covetousness and gambling, on drinking and drunkenness. Because if we alter those things, we're not helping people get to heaven. We're just granting our stamp of approval as, as we all walk the path to hell. Noah walked with God because he was a proclaimer of God's righteousness. If we want to walk with God, that's what we've got to do too. But Noah also walked with God because he followed God's pattern. Look again in Genesis chapter 6, this time down in verse 22. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. This statement is made after God has given him the pattern for the ark that he wants Noah to build. And it says that Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. He didn't just do the parts of what God commanded him that Noah liked to. He did all that God commanded him. He didn't question God. He didn't say, well, God, are you sure this is the best way to do it? You know, I was thinking maybe we should have... Because listen, I know that there are going to be lots of people that are going to listen and we need more room on this ark. So I'm going I'm to make it about twice that size. Is that okay? He didn't do that. He didn't add things. He didn't take things away. He did all that God commanded. He, he followed the pattern that God had given him. And that's exactly what we need to do. God has given us His Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We read it just moments ago. Why has He given it to us? So that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. He's provided us what we need to serve Him and perform every good work. If we want to walk with God as Noah did, We've got to get in God's Word and follow the good works that God has authorized. And if we can't find equipping and authorization, we just need to understand it's not a good work. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, well, let's just, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, 
do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You notice what that says? I think sometimes because we spend so much time discussing the issue of authority within the work of the congregation, we forget that that the idea of the congregation doing what is authorized is actually secondary in this passage. This passage is not written so that the church will know that it's supposed to do everything in the name of the Lord. It's written so that you and I will know that we must do everything in the name of the Lord. And therefore, when we get together as a church, we continue to live by that principle. This is about our lives every day. It's not just about what we do as a church on Sunday or Wednesday. It's about how we work. It's about how we live. It's about how we act at home. It's about how we act at school. It's about what we do in our personal lives. It's about what we do in our relationships. It's about what we do on the job. It's about us. And if we want to walk with God, then we must make sure that everything we do, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus by His authority, with His permission. And if we can't see Jesus' permission, then we need to refrain. Noah walked with God, and he did all that God commanded him. He followed God's pattern. He did exactly what God said. Without leaving things out and without adding things. And that's what we need to do if we are going to walk with God. But as I consider these five things, as I consider the fact that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, as I consider the fact that Noah was a righteous man, he stood out in his generation, he proclaimed righteousness, and he did all that God commanded following his pattern, I sometimes think, why? Why did Noah do that? What was it that allowed Noah to accomplish this and to walk with God? And I think we find the answer in an interesting passage, a passage that's not really about Noah, but rather about the people in Noah's day. Look in Matthew 24. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 38. We'll back up to verse 37. Matthew 24 and verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What do we learn about the people around Noah that contrast with Noah? They were enamored with this life. Despite the fact that there's this man over here building this ark that's proclaiming the judgment that's going to come, despite the clear proclamation, all they could see was this life. And so all they did was focus on this life. But Noah was different because Noah saw beyond this life. Noah could have chosen to eat and drink and marry and give in marriage. Noah could have chosen to just rest all of his hope and his life and his dreams and what's going on in this life. But Noah believed the command of God. Even though Noah hadn't seen it, he could see it. In fact, back in Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11, and this time in verse 13, as the Hebrew writer is describing all these examples of faith, he says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They were able to see the unseen. They were able to look beyond this life. 
And that's what we've got to see. We've got to see that this life is not about this life. This life is about what's coming afterwards. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 warns us that we must place our focus on things above, not on things on the earth. If our focus and our attention and our value is set on things down here, on our cars, on our on our houses, on our clothes, then we'll be stuck down here. And unwilling to sacrifice and walk with God, because in order to walk to be to be able to walk with God, I have to be able to look beyond what is seen. I have to be able to value and focus on heavenly things. Because only then will my heart be in heaven. If I want to walk with God, I've got to be able to see beyond all of this. Because only then will I be righteous. Only then will I stand out in the generation. Only then will I proclaim righteousness. Only then will I do all that God has commanded and follow his pattern. And only then will I find grace in the eyes of the Lord. How are you doing this morning? Are you walking with the Lord? Second Peter. Chapter 3. talks about those who would mock and say things like, well, look at all that's going on in the world and God hadn't done any judging yet. And Peter says, in verse 5 of 2 Peter 3, they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Just as in Noah's day, judgment is coming. Are you looking beyond this life to see that and therefore walk with God? Only those who walk with God Find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Where are you walking? 